0: Welcome to a new podcast where we're breaking through and breaking it down with a new girl. Your host, Dawn Piercy. Welcome to a new podcast. My name is Dawn Piercy and I am your host. I am so excited today to bring you Mellow Man Ace. He is a Cuban-American rapper, the godfather of the Latino movement. He is known for his bilingual delivery. He is also the fourth founding member of Cypress Hill. His debut album, Escape from Havana, was released on Capitol in 1989. And just one year later, he hit the top 20 billboard and uh, with his single, Mentirosa. And in 2000, he returned to the music single with the release from Darkness into the Light mellow man ace welcome to a new podcast how are you
1: i'm good my friend i'm really good just uh just enjoying a beautiful day in california um just chilling so you know hyped about life you know excited for for the future you know what i mean i absolutely i'm one of the i'm definitely one of the lucky ones
0: that's a good thing i know it's a lot less humid there than where i am
1: <laughs> so, yeah it's nice right now it's about Seventy nine degrees, about six p.m. Okay, you know, sun's still out. It's gorgeous out here.
0: See, it reached up to hundred and four here the other day, with ninety percent humidity, and and it Dang. was it was horrible. <laughs> um, so I'm inside, of course. Now, according to my research, you moved with your family from Cuba to California when you were just four years old. And
1: yeah, uh huh. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead.
0: Okay. Um I, I was wondering growing up, what inspired you to get into music, to get into rapping?
1: Well, um, I was a baseball player. My dad had me, you know, growing up to be a baseball player. He was mm-hmm. grooming me. But I, I never could cut it in, in 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 the classroom, making the grades and stuff like that. So luckily for me, it was around the same time hip hop was really beginning to bubble around 1982, 1983, and there. Mm-hmm. And, and I started out as I maybe like I started out as a graffiti artist, but I wasn't very good at all. So then I started B boying and breakdancing and whatnot, and I became pretty good until I saw this other kid who had just came from, I think like Nicaragua or something. and His name mm-hmm. was Toy Man and he did a move called the 1990. And it's a, it's basically, it's a vertical. You're standing upside. You're like spinning upside down on one hand. Okay. And I said, I hate being upside down. (laughs) That's not, this is not for me right here. I'll never get that move right there. And so knowing that I could get served easily, if somebody had that move, you know, I had to turn to the mic. And so I turned to the mic and and started writing songs and discovered a real passion for for writing, songwriting, mm-hmm. um, creating stories of, of things that happened to me or, or or things that were happening around me. And, okay. and I think in 19...
0: 19- I lost you there for a second. Can you hear me?
1: I was in there. I really started to get the... I started to have the knack to, to just write long stories i Mm -hmm. didn't know songwriting yet i didn't really know song i mean i knew songwriting not song structure okay yeah okay
0: well that makes sense now in 1986 okay you were in the group dvx which actually for our audience if you don't know it stands for devastating vocal excellence um with with your brother uh Sendog now DVX was the original incarnation of Cypress Hill uh, can you yeah. tell us how Cypress Hill came to be and why you left in 88
1: Yeah sure um I mean there's a lot there's a lot that goes with that um nothing happened in one month or or even you know a year it was a culmination of, of things that were happening at the same time. Um, one being our guy, DJ Muggs, had gone off to to uh, to become the DJ and and part-time producer for a group called 7A3,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, who were guys that he grew up with in Queens, New York. And so that, that kind of sent the message to the rest of us. And for me specifically, mm-hmm. it sent the message that it said, you know, don't wait for anybody to, to, to don't wait on anybody to make a move. You know what I mean? And so when, when the opportunity came for me to go to Delicious Vinyl, I went with him to a recording session for the movie Colors. Okay. For the movie Colors. um, I believe the name of the song was Madman World. And, uh, At that same particular time, our boy, who was was now known as Be Real, he had gone to the hood and had got shot. So he was in the hospital. And then also my my brother, Sendog, was more content with keeping Pops happy Mm -hmm. to keep it. So he kept a job. Me, I was a little younger than Send, so I always believed like I was going to make it. You know what I mean? Right. And and so I I just kind of, I didn't, I didn't listen to Pops like that. And so my father, you know, just trying to get me to grow up, he he kicked me out of the house. So I had to do something for myself to get back in his good graces. And I had to become a man, which is really why I came out first before mm-hmm. Cypress Hill, because I it was basically out of necessity. Um, and then as the other guys, Muggs, Santa Be Real, saw me climbing the ladder of success and being on soul train and Arsenio hall show and stuff like that Mm -hmm. is when they really started to get it together. Cause I would bring them on, on shows and stuff like that as well and give them like five minutes of freestyle time, kind of introduce them to my new crowd again. Right.
0: Right.
1: That I was gaining notoriety from. And then that's when they were able to, you know, kind of put it all together. Um, And then, you know, around that same time, DJ Muggs, you know, he, he kind of had to be real, asked me if he could use one of my styles that I had. Mm-hmm. And at that particular time, it was a song called Rhyme Fighter, and I, I used my, my, my then style. It was called the 2000 style, the year 2000 style, where it was really nasally. And I did it for my song Rhyme Fighter, which became my first single on Capitol Records. Um, and when he changed his style to that style, everything started to really click for cypress hill because he had a permanent broken nose okay that, that didn't allow him to sound as smooth as he wanted or, or as smooth as mugs wanted him to sound mm-hmm. so um you know that's how that came about and then you know they they started to come up with the sounds you know the screechiness of the beats and whatnot that Muggs came back from learning with you know learning from the bomb squad you know the guys who produced chuck d and public enemy mm-hmm. since they were the guys who also produced 7a3 so mugs had now you know learned from the very best and picked up some tips along the way and um and, and that's how it all started to really come together
0: nice very nice now after going on your own and, and releasing your debut album, Escape from Havana in eighty nine, um, you you released quite a few albums and have signed with more than a few labels. But Uh-oh. in in ninety two with your release of the album um uh, which which was Brother with Two Tongues, you, you disappeared from the industry yeah. uh, until two thousand with your release Uh, From the Darkness into the Light, and then again disappeared for a minute after your release of Vengo a Cobrar in 2004, and then once again resurfaced in 2015, dropped two albums, The Lost Decade and Restoring Order. I've got to ask, where did you go?
1: Okay, (laughs) great great question. Um, You know, real guys say real ones don't fall off, they fall back. Right. And so that's what I did. I fell back. I got a taste of what it was like to be famous, and and live out of a suitcase, and be invited to parties where where the elite were, and I saw things that I didn't like,
0: right? And I
1: saw things that I was not willing to do to get to that next level of of celebrity, mm-hmm. and so I, I fell back the very first time, and I fell out of love with the part of the industry where. Creativity clashes with corporate interests. And when I saw that part of it, it really threw me for, for a loop, um, you know, to say the least. Right. So I would I would come in and hop out on my own terms being that I had a my a core fan base that would follow me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically, instead of being used by the record company, I was able to use the record company especially Capitol Records, to build my fame and then walk away from from it by taking only what I wanted and then contro- being able to control my own destiny.
0: Right. Well, they. Yeah. Um, I, I work under Tiffany Gaines. I'm a talent scout for Universal Music Group Distribution, um, Shared wow. Success Music Group. And uh, she always says, you know, it's underground over mainstream. It's, you know, um, you want to keep that independence. So you don't want to sell your soul, you know?
1: Right. No, no, no. And that's the ugly part that people don't see, you know, your, your basic uh, guy, you know, who works nine to five. And I don't mean to call him basic as in basic, but you know, your average, your average guy doesn't see that, you know, when, when there's, you know, things being required of you to do, to take steps or do, uh, or perform you know, like I'm just going to straight up say it, you know, homosexual activity just to get to the next level. You know what I mean? Right. Now, I'm not knocking nobody. I'm not knocking nobody. But what I am saying is that that was not my, my cup of tea, my cup of tea. Right. It is for some, but it wasn't for me. And so I was not willing to, um, you know, to partake in certain rituals that that will catapult me to the next level of celebrity. And those were the real things that really turned me off about the music. But I understood, you know, because mm-hmm. this is the music business. This is not church.
0: Right.
1: But again, I have the right to say, no, I'll I don't want to partake in this, or yes, I'll partake in this. The the choice was mine.
0: Absolutely. And I,
1: I blame nobody. I blame nobody for that. Um, I mean it is what it is. It's Hollywood, it's not church. You know what I mean?
0: I do does it feel good to be back in the game.
1: Well, it's like I never really left because I always stayed doing my share of concerts and shows and whatnot. Um, I own my, I have my own studio, so I'm always okay. able to track new, new ideas and nice. put things down and, and record records and, and do what I wanted to do since 2004. I've always had, I've always kept a studio in the house. So um, whenever I wake up with an idea, it's, Let's go track it, you know,
0: heck. Yeah, that's that's the only way to go if you're going to do it, you know, because it's a part of who you are. There you go. Now, (laughs) I know you are actively performing and have a lot of shows coming up. Uh, Can you tell us where people can get tickets to see you and where they can go to see um, where you're going to be next?
1: Yeah. I mean, you can, you have to find me first. You have to find me on social media um, at mellow underscore man, underscore ACE on Instagram. Um, The same as well for Twitter and just mellow man ACE across the board on Facebook. Once you find me there, or you can go to my website, mellow man, a You can find me there as well. And once you Mm -hmm. find me, then you'll start seeing the things that I post the events I'm going to be at and right On those postings, you will see the information of where to buy tickets.
0: Okay, cool. Now, for our viewers, um, of course, we have listeners and viewers. Just go right there on Mellow Man Ace's bio page and click on the social media links that you want to follow. Check out his website. You got to check out and see what he's got coming up. Uh, Do you have anything that you're working on on the moment that you can let us in on?
1: Yeah, I'm really excited. I got some new projects. Um, I'm, I don't really do albums anymore because it's, it's, it's time-consuming, mm-hmm. and the attention span is very short out there in the marketplace now. So what I like to do now is, is do a, I'll hit you with a song and a video, um, and I try to do three of those a year. Okay. Um, so check out what I did last year um, with So Rough, So Tough, uh, another song by the name of Rock On OG another title by the, uh, the title of knowledge, uh, check those out. Mm-hmm. And then this year I'll, I'll be dropping uh, a record with a video called before. And, and it's basically talking about everything that mellow man Ace came before it became trendy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like computers or social media, uh, before OJ was getting chased by LAPD, <laughs> um, before, you know, Bruce Jenner, switch genders, you know, all these things. Right, right, right. It's a really cool record. I think it's a really cool record that that the fans are going to like. And then after that, we'll be dropping another one called W.E.S.T., uh, which is more of a West Coast anthemy type of get down summertime type of th- uh, type of song.
0: OK, nice. Now, um, I, I was, I was going to ask, uh, tell us about being the Godfather of the Latino Movement.
1: Yeah, well, that title came to me from a guy by the name of Soren Baker, who I forget if he wrote for the Source. I think it was the Source magazine, could have been Double XL in 1990 during a press day at Capitol Records,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because we the record was starting to slam. Actually, it was during the second album, "The Brother with Two Tongues" press day we had we had gone on tour for 2 years straight off the first album and and then he started that press day with his his interview and he said so what does it feel like to be the godfather of latin hip hop and i was like yo that sounds dope i like that shit i'm going to keep that shit you know right. in this game it's so important to have a niche you know and when he said that like That was my niche. And so it's like my own moniker, if you will. And so I decided to run with that, but it was, it was Soren Baker who actually coined it for me.
0: Okay. Uh, Who has been.
1: And I think, I'm sorry, it's worth saying, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's worth saying that he said that because at that point, uh, um, my first album became a classic and it it was the first album that really introduced Spanish and bilingual Spanglish hip hop to the marketplace. So with that record, we were able to open up an entirely new genre of music that didn't exist. And now in the record stores, you could start to find rap music made by Latinos. Mm -hmm. So it was very uh, potent and, and it was very instrumental in that because then you can go to your record store and go, Hey, I'm looking for, latin rap or rap made by latino guys and for some people that was a big deal right um you know um uh, and, and we were able to to kick off a, ge- a genre of music that that didn't exist and, and didn't have a place i am so glad
0: you did i i've been a fan all my life i'm just saying i grew up in the 80s too thank you so, and I, yeah, I am so glad you did. I am so glad, you know, I'm sure half the world is.
1: <laughs> oh, word so. up! Much, much love. Yeah, yeah, me too. Because, you know, <laughs> you look for, I mean, I, I didn't grow up thinking I'd become somebody who could invent something. Right. But lo and behold, I invented this, this particular bilingual rhyme style that, to this day, 28 years later, guys are still doing. Heck yeah. I wish I would have had a patent on it.
0: <laughs> you know.
1: But it's a it's a beautiful thing and I, and I like I say I'm one of the lucky ones cuz I'm living a dream because of those styles that I created.
0: Nice. Very nice. But who was your inspiration growing up?
1: There was a few. In in 1980 I'm sorry, let me take you back to 79. In 1979, I was not a hip-hop guy per se yet, but I heard a record called Rapper's Delight on a radio. Mm-hmm. And that's where I really started to listen to hip-hop. So I always give respect to the Sugar Hill Gang because that opened up the door for me to go and find other, other artists and, and, and listen to guys like Curtis Blow and guys like that. Um, in 1982, 83, I remember I I, I saw the very first hip hop movie that I recall. It was called Wild Style, and okay. and I heard an MC. Yeah, I heard I heard an MC by the name of the Ram Z, and and the Ram Z um, opened doors to listen to other guys. Um, but that's around the same time I discovered a group called the Disco. I'm sorry. The mean machine. Now the mean machine was dope because they had a record called the disco dream. And it was a group of, of, of MCs, black and Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. And they had this one Puerto Rican guy. And I sought him out. Um, His name, you know, was Mr. Schick. Well, Mr. Schick had a small verse of Spanish rap in his, in his verse. And when, when I remember listening to that record, going, when I grow up, I want to be like that guy. I want to be like that guy, being Afro-Cuban. Mm-hmm. So he wrote a small piece, a Spanish rap. And I remember when I first got signed to Delicious Vinyl, I told them I want to be the first guy to write an all-Spanish rap song, not just a small piece. Right. And so that's the song that actually, when I when I do my song called Mas Gong, that's the song that actually got me mm-hmm. discovered at Delicious Vinyl.
0: Okay very nice well I want to take I I just want to say uh, it's been an honor to have you as a new guest here on a new podcast uh, and yeah. do you have any final statements that you'd like our audience to hear
1: oh wow um, you know I mean not really because there's so much that I've missed anyway you know what I mean it's just I just want to tell people to keep rocking on, you know, really um, in this, in this world that we live in today, that's very different from the world that we grew up in, you know, just turn the headphones up, let the music take you away from all the madness that that's going on around us. And, you know, and when, and when life calls you to step up and and represent for Mm -hmm. the, for your people, step up, you know, be counted. That's Amen it.
0: to that. Amen to
1: that. And this has been a new podcast.